Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Well, hello there, and sorry, the mic uh, would not stay up. We've been messing around, and it just, damn. Okay, so I'm going to have to uh, hold it uh, during the show, which is a little bit of a pain in the neck. Anyway, welcome, and uh, it's Tuesday, no fire alarm drills, and Susan should be on the line. Hi, Susan. Hi, I've been listening to you grunting and groaning and complaining over there. What's going on? We can't. The, the mic won't stay up. It's <laughs> you got a limp mic. I got a real limp mic. It's been uh, yeah, and there's so I we just took it out of the you know contraption it's in, and I'm gonna hold it, um, which is a pain in the neck. But here well, I am. Now I can see. Okay. Huh? Okay. I okay. See. I, now I can see. Okay, yeah. so I'm holding it. Anyway, oh, um, jeez, where to start? Let me start with this because I found this fascinating. Um, a friend sent me this, and uh, this is written by a uh, a woman who teaches uh, reading, teaches people how to read, and so she is a expert at. Um, noting when people can't <laughs> read and she perceives what the issues are anyway um this brings us to trump's wonderful um you know july 4th uh right it was the, it was the teleprompter's fault yes yes and it was the teleprompter's fault and here's what this woman says and this makes so much sense she goes on and on and i'm not going to do the whole thing she says this Again, this is a reading teacher. Um, Donald Trump does not read well. Like most of the students I work with, he avoids reading, both because he wants to avoid being embarrassed and because reading costs him a lot more mental energy uh, than it does for a proficient reader. We know from lots of different reports that his staff does not give him anything long or complex to read because of this avoidance. Okay, so right there, she's just zeroing in on the fact, things we know he doesn't want to read, right? Well, and it, he also always goes off script. Right, but she says, he, she thinks he's, I mean, she thinks he's somewhat illiterate in that he doesn't. That's not saying he's a stupid. He, there's something that he he's a non-reader. He's he a not. He, there's some disability there that maybe that keeps right. him from being a proficient reader. Yeah, I I think that everybody's seemed. I haven't you always thought that? Yeah, I mean, there's something right, but she just lays it out. She says. So uh, given that he, we know he doesn't want to read, he never reads, he, things are dumbed down for him, uh, he likes graphics and things that are readily, you know. So she says, when Trump does have to read something out loud, it is clear that he is not processing the meaning of what he is saying. For a struggling reader... All the concentration goes into simply pronouncing the words out loud and simultaneously processing the meaning of the words is very difficult. We see this when um, he's giving a prepared speech and mispronounces a word in a way that makes no sense. A proficient reader would immediately stop and self-correct. Trump does not because he's not processing what he is saying. Um, there are times when he reacts to a line in his speech like he hasn't heard it before. He noticeably stops and inserts a comment of his own before going back to the reading. He does not know how to gracefully glide between reading and impromptu speaking since reading is so unnatural for him. Um, 
and then she go, she goes through the star span the, the 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 whole thing the ram the ram parts and and she's sort of dissecting what probably was going on in his his brain and and she said the speech she was giving made a uh, heavy use of language from the star spangled banner you know ramparts and such and for many str- struggling readers this would be helpful since it would rely on familiar chunks of language that would reduce the mental load of having to read however we've seen that trump does not know the words to the anthem that is true too <laughs> He has tried and that big a help. He has tried and failed to sing along with it, but couldn't fake it very well. And um, she can tell where he, she thinks he lost his place, and then she can tell exactly when he found it again. And I mean, this article goes. I just dissects uh, the speech, and she ends it with this. Um, my kiddos, I guess those are the kids she teaches, who are in similar situations have a hard time. I and their other teachers have to work really hard to help them learn strategies to overcome these difficulties with the way they process written text. It requires just as much hard work on the kids' part. I strongly suspect that Donald Trump never went through this process and remains in a not fully literate state. Usually we are afraid that someone who graduates with this level of reading ability will have very limited career prospects in the future. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I think that makes some sense, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it makes more than some sense. I think it just plain old makes sense. Uh Yeah. And as I said, she goes into a lot of detail about how he got to took over the airports. I mean, she's she's having worked with students who struggle, like she suspects he he does. Um, yeah. So, <sighs> I mean, that's how because you often you know he'll come out with something that is literally incoherent word salad, but he also does it when he's not reading. Right. Well, right. But then that's, thus you have, you know, ex-cabinet secretaries who have been known to say he's a moron. Um, and, you know, he he clearly isn't that, no. but he's not terrifically bright. And he clearly has some learning disability issues combined with ADHD and everything else. And I'm not a doctor and have no right to be making these diagnoses. But I'm just saying it it's like there's a constellation of issues with this guy. Yeah, I think so too. I th- I mean I think that's probably absolutely correct. Hey, yeah, I mean, you know, there's the similar thing out in the by the guy that uh that interviewed him to get to get into uh the Wharton school. Oh right, I saw that. Yeah. Um you know who? Who, by the way, happened to be his older brother's best friend? friend. Best yeah, friend forever. With, yeah, with uh, best lifelong friend. Right. And he did what he was supposed to do, and he gave him a positive wreck. And and then, but he said, "I didn't make the final decision, but he got in." And then he pointed out it wasn't a big deal in those days. You know, he, he said, I, th- I feel like at least half the people got in. Someone looks up the statistics, 40% of the applicate, uh, people that applied got into Wharton. At that and, time, this is, is 1967. Also at that time, yeah. versus 7% now. Right. Um, and, yeah. and, and so it's, it's a slightly different thing. And we know it was a different thing. Back, back when we were going to college, uh, yeah. it just wasn't that competitive. No, it was not. Um, even it was not. The, I never would have gotten into Northwestern. Uh, well, no, I would never. I would never have just washed, waltzed into uh, Washington University. No, I know we would not because we were very ill prepared. We went to a school that didn't really prepare people for college, um, and I, I don't know. I would not have. Uh, uh, gotten in. No, I mean it was it was just a totally. I and anybody that's uh, around our age. It needs to admit this. So I also think it's very interesting 
that the same article notes that Fred, his older brother, who was the best friend of the emissions officer, um, they both each wanted to go to Wharton uh, 10 years prior, and the friend gets in, and, and Fred, Fred doesn't. Trump didn't, right. So he didn't make that right. uh, um, 40% cut. No, but he helped uh, his and, little brother. Um, yeah. The other weird thing, and was it in that same article where they said, uh, maybe not, but I read that um, he was lauded in articles um, as having graduated first in his class. Um, that even, I mean, and it's it's part of the lore that he was this brilliant, and he yeah, he wasn't anywhere near first in his class. So how does that ever no. get? Pu- Anyway, okay. Uh, but we, I think this reading teacher has, um, has, has nailed it. And she said, I, I'm pretty sure I, I know what's happening with him, but I haven't seen anyone else post about this. But so I'm going to, lay, you know, so then she lays it out. And she's very teacherly in her, you know, it's not particularly political. In her analysis. She, yeah, she's right, just right. like saying, wow, I mean, I've worked with, kids who would uh, have this issue. Um, so, whatever. Let's she's seen it. It's, she knows exactly yeah. what it means. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think that that's hard to believe at all. Well, I mean, it's like people find, the, people find these educational issues, you know, that, that there's actually something to know and that there's actually something to teach. You know, then that and that these these professionals that we let around our children are actually trained and know what they're doing, <laughs> and are not the scum of the earth as we treat them and pay them. Uh, you know, I, so I think this is fascinating to a lot of people. But this is this is what our children get to have now, which is this expertise that there used to be this whole group of lost kids. Right, who had reading, don't have to be who had reading issues. Right, who were judged to be stupid, and then yeah, and weren't. Right, and and you know, and even if we haven't figured out exactly what their particular processing issue is, we still have ways of dealing with it. And most of all, we acknowledge that it exists, and it's not something that is somehow the child's fault, which these kids also used to bear the burden of. Right. feeling stupid. I mean, I think there's a reason why our president is always boasting about how smart he is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because the same thing that this reading teacher is discussing has made him feel most stupid right. all of his life. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He protests so too much. So the fact that I, mean, I can so understand insecure. how this big, yeah. noisy, um, dangerous bully got to be this Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I forgive him, but there are definite reasons why right. he's this way. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Not that we're trying to drum up any sympathy for him. We're just trying to understand. Jeez. So, no, you know what? Because the people around him should never have allowed him to, to bull his way into this. And I mean, he, even he, precisely because he feels about himself the way he does, thought it was all a lark, and nobody would, could possibly well, miss what an idiot he was. Yeah, so he well, that's what everybody worry. else thought. That's why nobody stopped it. Um, well, he thought he wasn't going to win. They, what they I, underestimated I've said this was the, all along. He, he knows himself. He knows, he knows what he can't do. He thought it was patently obvious. Well. Then he unmasked the stupidity, gullibility, and just plain, uh, you know, lack of seriousness of uh, a large, large part of the American electorate. Oh, God. Okay. What bothers me more is the reaction of that self-same electorate. Yeah. Who, with all the evidence now in front of them, and most of them willing still to admit that, yeah, he's pretty defective, all right. But then they go right back and say, but look at this and look at that, and I believe in this and I believe in that. So I'm, I'm, form- I'm going, and the fact that uh, the country is broken now, you don't, that's collateral damage. I don't get this. No, I don't get it either. 
Uh, and these are the people who probably also say people should be responsible, you know. Uh, they, they don't feel responsible. They're not willing to own uh, what they've done. And I don't know. So, okay, Susan, I have to just throw this in for a little lightness. Um, I, you know, our dad so loved uh, reading the uh, the wedding stuff in the Sunday New York Times. Yes, I didn't read it yesterday. Oh no. Well, that's okay. You know, you okay. wouldn't have necessarily. Um, I just happened to focus on this one because you know it's there's pictures and then little stories under them and. This picture was a picture of older people, and so I'm always intrigued when I see, oh, here's some old people getting married. So I'm curious. And it turns out it's two rabbis. The guy is a a 69-year-old rabbi emeritus in New Jersey somewhere, and the bride is a 56-year-old rabbi uh, also in uh, Jersey. Um, and they met, of course, at a Torah study at a diner. Torah study at a diner? But they did. But here's the thing that blew me away. Rabbi Kushner, that's the groom, Rabbi Kushner is a descendant of John Alden and Priscilla Mullins, passengers on the Mayflower. Well, he's not 97% Ashkenazi. (laughs) What do you mean? I mean, a rabbi who's descended from the Mayflower from John Alden? How the hell did that happen? Only in America. He looks so Jewish. It's a joke. Hot melted. He doesn't look at all. Yeah, but he doesn't look at all like a pilgrim. He looks like such a a Jew. I mean, it's what? So where's the? I want. No, they took over. (laughs) They married into the family, and then and then you know it was ruined, and that line of the family was Jewish. I'm sure all the other. And then they got more, and then they and then they stopped intermarrying, and you know he Kushner might actually be like 87 percent by now. You never know. Uh, you don't know. He definitely looks like uh, he looks more Jewish than the bride. But I got to tell you this. It's you know they always say the okay. So here's the next paragraph after we find out that he's descended from the Mayflower. This right that if he were a woman he could have been a oh no what what's the association of disobedience? Yeah, the uh, daughters of the American no the D A R revolution. But that's different. That's yeah, different. D A R is different than I came over on the Mayflower. I came okay, over. Yeah, my people came over on the Mayflower. Um, <laughs> so, and I've never heard of a Jew being able to make that statement. So this is this is funny. But listen to the next one. The bride's previous marriage ended in divorce. I wonder why they always have to say that, because it always, you know, seems, oh, like she's tainted goods. But then this, as did the groom's previous three marriages. Three marriages. So this is... The Mayflower Rabbi Kushner's fourth marriage. <clears throat> now I ask you. Is Rabbi Kushner reform? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Well, he's... How would you He's marry? got a zipper problem. No, but I just want to know. Would you marry a guy who has no, been married? No, but you and I have this conversation marriage. for many times. You know, from from the day that I, um, you know, to no one's amazement, accidentally put my foot in my mouth uh, because I was meeting, uh, I was out to dinner with my daughter and her college roommate uh, when they first met, and it was right around the time that all of Eric's and my friends seemed to be divorcing, and I was bemoaning the fact that when the last kid goes to college, the father seems to disappear at this dinner and and i looked at eric and i said and you going anywhere and he said no i'm not and then the the roommate says to me well what would you say to a to a about a man that's been married five times and i'm thinking uh oh 
her father must have been married five times. <laughs> so I just, I, I just said he's an optimist. <laughs> Good comeback, Suze. Good save. He's an optimist. Well, it was a good save, and then yeah, but... and then now, years later, I know this man, and I know him because he was in the same profession as my husband, and I swear we would see him every every time we were at some you know national or international thing. That man would be there with a woman, not his wife. Yeah. yeah. So he he must be on ten or twelve by now. God Almighty, and he's a shrink. Well, so yeah. here's. So here's my question: What is it? What do the woman? What does the woman? What does number four, five, six, seven think? Well, those are the is, optimists. This is a changed. That this but, is a changed man. No, but this is. The, it's the bride that's the optimist. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. The 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 bride. What is the what does the bride think? You know. That well, she's thinking some, she's different. That. Well, the only way she's different is if she's the one that gets to bury him. Well, that's right. And he's and, and he's this guy's sixty. This not, so maybe, yeah, maybe that's that's the other rabbi's thinking uh, when she said, "I do." But I mean, you're going to marry somebody who's done this little routine uh, three times before, saying he'll love and cherish man. you for. Blah, 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 and he will this and that, and it all turned out to be a lie. <laughs> yeah, until you? the next one shows up. Um, <laughs> I, he meant it at the time. I, um, yeah, he's a man of God. Yeah, okay. Well, she's a woman of God, and I wish them all the luck in the world because I think they're going to need it. I wonder how many of them were his, uh, uh, um, what are we called in the synagogue? We aren't exactly parishioners. <laughs> what are we? Mem- congregants? I think you're members. congregants. I wonder what his congregants... Remember, we're... we're <laughs> no, he's an emeritus rabbi now, so he probably doesn't have a, you know... Pretty young to be emeritus. Maybe 69? Maybe he to retire. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, I don't know this man. I am besmirching his character. We're just saying. But good I'm, luck, honey. Yeah, good, good luck, Liana. Rabbi Liana Moritz, because she's marrying this Mayflower guy who, uh, yeah, jeez, I don't know. So, you know, you read, that's why Dad liked reading this stuff. He would have had a big laugh over He would have been giggling about that one for three days. Yes, he would have. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been tittering a bit myself. Um, well, right, because it's Tuesday and you must have read it on Sunday, right? Right. <coughs> Excuse me, I am really... <coughs> really? Is it not beautiful there yet? Yes, it is. It's beautiful, but something something else is in the air, too. I don't know what. Um, so, uh, it, you were speaking about furry all furry week there, or was, that, was last week furry week, or is this furry week? No, furry week was last week. And I, you know, to the, to, I just don't get how, they were here for four days, they're always here from like Thursday to Sunday, and um, Susan, it was 110 degrees, you know, dew point up at, in the 70s, 80s, it was and they're so walking around in fur costumes. And they've got right. these fur costumes on. I mean, if I just, what I don't get is why don't they hold their wouldn't you do it in a cooler um, time, like the winter? I I just it's be I don't know how they can stand it. They do a parade. <clears throat> they do a parade. It's I mean they and they're not dropping dead left and right. I don't know, but yeah, we do. We 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 welcome them. I didn't see any this year. I don't know. Why was that? Because I wasn't down here. Because Thursday was the 4th and Friday I took off. And so um, I, never, I never saw one of them. That's a, that's a first. So, wow. How jaded you've become. Yeah. No, around here, everybody's jaded. Nobody even looks. Hey, man, we are so cool here in Pittsburgh. I mean, I bet in any other city where you were standing at a stoplight... And then you notice the guy standing next to you had a six-foot tail coming out of his butt. 
you know, you would look. You would, like, <laughs> stare, right? Here, you don't even, nobody even, shit, like, ugh, not even a double take. <laughs> Just beyond belief. <laughs> oh, so, all right. Did you watch, I mean, I'm not into soccer, but did you watch the women? Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. I mean, we, uh... Um, you know, I've had company. All yes, this yes, week, yes. So I, you guys I, watch, I, and just and just as an aside, they are getting ready to leave. But with through my open windows, I can hear my brother-in-law downstairs blowing the leaves and residue off my sidewalk. <laughs> I'm going to miss these two. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to miss you when you're they've, gone. They've more than earned their keep. They've been very good house guests. Those are good um, house guests. They've been. Cleaning your place. They've been work. They've been, they've been working their butts off, and I've, and I've been enjoying. I've been enjoying it. Yeah. The house is much nicer for it. Anyway, um, uh, well, what were what were we talking about? Well, the about? soccer, we soccer, and I, I, no, I, the soccer pick. So they were here. So yes, we all we all sat there and watched. And I get I get so I was so happy when they just you know scored and then scored again. I thought, okay, now I can relax. Right. Exactly. But uh, but uh, you know what. I, um, the guy who writes sports for the Wall Street Journal, a guy named Jason Gay, um, he, I'm going to read the last paragraph of his piece, um, and he's talking about Megan Rapino, who is the pink-haired Wonder Woman, right? Wonder Woman. And yeah. She's, there's, yeah. She's, there's, there's just something... Well, you know what? Um, yeah, let me say. Really, refreshingly, here I am about her. I right. like her very yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. So, and he's pointing out that the pressure she was under is unlike any pressure on it. You know, it's the World Cup. So she's not only right. doing the World Cup, but she's feuding with in, uh, with the president of the United States. She is lambasting governing bodies for the inequities in women's soccer. She took on every hot-button question that she was asked. And, oh, by the way, with all of that pressure on her, she scored both goals in the round of 16 against Spain, both goals in the quarterfinals against France, the game winner in the final, and the Golden Ball Award as the best overall player in the tournament, despite the fact that she sat out one of the games, right? So she athletically and her just cool, calm, never wilting under pressure that would destroy any athlete, male or female. And this is how he ends it. It is one of the all-time talk-and-back-it-up performances in sports history. It's a little Joe Namath, a little Muhammad Ali, who was another socially conscious athlete, who knew a thing or two about having his patriotism questioned, uh, and he's saying to the Wall Street Journal crowd, look, hate it, love it, it doesn't matter. If you're not into Rapino, tough. She is legendary now, and so is the team that made all of that noise at the 2019 World Cup. And, it, and, and he says, necessary noise that will be heard forever that they, I mean, the most formidable team and this incredible leader who took on everybody. I mean, and they, I, pretty frigging amazing. And I think comparing her to, uh, you know, her performance to Namath's, you know, Super Bowl performance when everybody said, are you kidding? You know, for people to brag beforehand um, is very either foolhardy or shows a level of uh, certainty and self-confidence and that most of us and, don't and willingness have. to deliver, right. That's right. And I think Gay points out that Dizzy Dean um, uh, had once said, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. That's right. And it's people just, are unused. Telling, See, it's, it's not just a, telling people what you're going to do. That's right. And it's not a proper thing for a woman. Women are not supposed to brag. Very unfeminine. So I just 
Oh, Ross Perot died. Ross Perot died? Yeah, Brian just uh, let me know. That just must be breaking. He was 89, and Brian said he was Trump before Trump, in that he was an outsider who really didn't want to be president. But Perot dropped out, unfortunately. Trump did not. Yeah, Ross Perot shook things up uh, in American politics. Um, and I think that was the closest thing to a... Is He maybe had the best third independent run? Wait, did he drop out? He wasn't on the... Well, we'll find out when we read the obits. Whatever. Yeah, I'm looking for the obit. It's not breaking on the Washington Post. Although a federal court has ruled that Trump cannot block his critics on Twitter. (laughs) 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 On a happier note. (laughs) Oh, dear God in heaven. Well, you know, he made his mark, Ross did, and... uh, he lives. He lived a nice long life. So yeah, may he rest in peace. Yeah, and I want to um, I want to uh, raise a glass to uh, Air, Representative Eric Swalwell, who um, is the first of the Democratic contenders for the nomination who has drop out. voluntarily yes, left. And I mean, it speaks well of him. And uh, well, it's it's yes, it does. And yeah. people need to let's see who else is willing to put the good of the country over their own narcissism. Well, don't hold your you breath. Know, if you don't if you don't have a chance and it should be clear, pretty clear now, then clear the way so we can make have the have the time and the opportunity to make a clear assessment and to back them and build their momentum and get them where they're going. Give us the opportunity to work as a team, please. And, you know, I'm beginning to think as I as I go through social media and I listen to comments that are, you know, blogs that I read or things that I see, I'm beginning to think that a lot of these Bernie supporters who are showing up again are beginning our to bots, remind me. Our Russian our bots. Our Russian bots. I again. think they're Russian bots. And <laughs> they are just in there Maybe. to create, you know, disunity. Well, I mean... It's not as though I really am because that's not because so. I why wouldn't they be? I mean, this is all happening again. There, we've done nothing to prevent it from happening again, right? No, and so I want everybody to sort of have their their antenna already yeah. always up, and you know, throw out the stuff that's too far this way, and throw out the stuff that's too far that way, and try and go with you know what seems to be mainstream, acceptable, and provable stuff and then make your decision let's try to behave like an educated citizenry you know uh, richard cohen writing in the washington post today um is voicing the terror of many democrats um or people who want trump out i'm not even sure he is a democrat come to think of it but he wants trump out and he's just watching the democrats do what they do arguing about reparations for slavery and saying they're going to take private insurance away from people. And he says this, the Democratic Party has a possibly fatal inability to prioritize. I think he has got that right. The urgent challenge ahead is to rid the nation of Donald Trump not to mollify this or that identity group or wrestle over issues that could not be solved when they were even relevant, such as busing. As it is, the candidates are campaigning in an America of their own imagination, an America a bit to the left of Sweden and as racially unified as one of those old Coca-Cola commercials. These Democratic candidates pander to the extremes of the early caucus and primary states, thinking they can seduce the middle of the electorate later on down the road. Or, in my case, giving me a choice of one of them or Trump. And he says, sedate me. 
So I think a lot of people are, again, watching Democrats do what they do and uh, and are getting very queasy. The Democratic Party has a fatal inability to prioritize, to organize, to prioritize, and to uh, create the... Um, the narrative that seems to, you know, propel the election coverage and everything, they're just constantly getting into these things that only real, real, uh, real liberal and lefties care about. And you can't win a national election with just liberals and lefties. Is that not correct? That is correct. And he points this out. At the moment, look at the Democrats. They're squabbling over what is called forced busing to achieve school desegregation. Now, um, it seems, he says, that the Democrats have forgotten that with the possible exception of the draft during the Civil War, no program has been more hated by working class Democrats. That's how we started, to, right, right? And so what are we even talking right. about? But it was how Kamala Harris went after, tried to knock Biden out, and now we're we're talking about busing? And it's a, uh, take it for one that knows, it's a lose-lose. Yes, it's total lose-lose. It, it, no, and this you, is what, it was and is. It was and is. Harris's exhumation of busing was greeted over at Fox News with the delirium usually reserved for striking oil in one's backyard. They love this stuff. They love this stuff. Well, we all got to keep our eye on the prize. He's right. And that's what I keep saying. I mean, that's... that's that's all. That's my only comment these days. Yeah, you know, well, it just it just doesn't matter. Let it all shake out. Let's vote for whoever isn't Trump. That's all. One job to do. We got two jobs to do. One is to vote correctly, and the other is to do whatever we can to make sure that we get every last person that we know to the polls. That is correct. That we aid efforts to get people to the polls, that if we want to go to door-to-door, it's to explain why it's so important and why your vote really actually does count. Please go. You know, uh, a woman put something up on Twitter that here it is in a nutshell. Here, here, well, here's a lot of things in in a nutshell. Uh, The stupidity of um, the American people, and particularly Trump voters. Um, And here it is. Uh, A woman named Janet Johnson said, I was speaking to a lady in the Florida panhandle about the Confederate flag. She said she didn't see anything wrong with it, and she called it, it was representing her heritage. I said, well, Germans could say the same thing about the Nazi flag. And her response was, yeah, but they lost the war. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think. So then what did the, was the. No, she just, that's all she has. That's all, all she put down. They lost the war. And I'll tell you what, I have said many times. That this woman who said, yeah, but they lost the war, might be correct. Because even though the Confederacy lost the Civil War, the, with Jim Crow and, every, and the institutional racism after um, the war, and the fact that they pretty much all those Southerners control, it seems, the Congress and... Uh, 
the only Democrats that seemingly until Obama could that could get elected were from the South because uh, you had to mollify these uh, people who can't can't take in that they lost the Civil War. I don't know. I I I think the Civil War was a battle in a larger war, and. Which, which still, yeah, right, right. I agree. I mean, and because we won none of these that, issues. Yeah, we won that big <laughs> battle. Just, but no, the war never stopped. And I can, I can see why somebody living in the United States would not really be clear about who won that war. Right. By the way, Tom Steyer just announced his president for president. Oh, there you go. So we thought we were one down, and now we what? Just get these rich white guys out of here. Get them out. Okay. So uh. Michelle Goldberg, writing in the New York Times today, is writing about um, these rich white guys who control everything and run everything, and she's specifically speaking about how the hell Jeffrey Epstein managed to do what he did and not be in jail for the rest of his life. All right. And well, hopefully there's, hopefully there's a yet on that. Yes, but how does it happen that a guy like this is... Pro- who does he... We know who he knows. We well, know. no, because there's 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 a handbook. I firmly believe this: that when you cross an invisible line of wealth, that, and you're and you're male, and at this point, whether your uh, race and religion drop out at this point, it's just male, a rich male. Apparently, there's a handbook that says at this point you are entitled to do whatever damn thing you want to do, and you will not be held accountable. You, and the and the you can indulge the every fantasy, and you'll just call another rich white guy right. to get you out of it. Right. So Goldberg points out these interesting things. So we've heard somewhat I have about this of uh, a profile of Epstein that was written in uh, 2003 for Vanity Fair. And the reporter in that is a woman named Vicki Ward, and she went into his, you know, palatial New York uh, uh, home and, you know, was describing it uh, in all its, uh, you know, lavishness. And in the course of doing this um, this piece, um, and, and, and she was painting him as a Jay Gatsby type, uh no one could ever quite figure out how he made all the money and that's something you see over and over and over again with current uh reporting on him um she though then hears from two sisters and their a mother who on the record told her <laughs> about their experiences with Jeffrey Epstein and she included this in the article until, of course, the article got to the Vanity Fair editor, Graydon Carter. And Graydon Carter cut that section out, saying, saying to the reporter, Jeffrey is very sensitive about the young women. Well, because they're they're illegal. But here is the editor of Vanity Fair protecting him. We're taking that out. Carter has now said, he put out a statement on Monday saying that that was not the reason, that the reporting had not been uh, solid enough. Right. So uh-huh. um, here's what Ward said. Uh, told Goldberg. She went back and looked at her uh, transcripts of her interview with Epstein. And she said this, what is so amazing to me is how his entire social circle knew, knew about this and just blithely overlooked it. 
They would praise his charm, his brilliance, his generous donations to this or that. And that yet they all would say, all would mention the girls as an aside. And she says this reveals a deep corruption among male elites across parties and the way the very rich can often purchase impunity for even the most loathsome of crimes. There it is. We are a loathsome culture. Um, the woman who was his main procurer, a close companion of his, her name is uh, Ghislaine, I don't know how to pronounce that, Maxwell, she would get him a lot of these 14-year-olds. And as a matter of fact, I saw a picture last night of Prince Andrew with a 14-year-old girl with this uh, procurer, Maxwell, in the background. Um, she was in uh, she was in attendance at Chelsea Clinton's wedding, in to, the procurer in 2010. And listen to this. It's a pile of bills. Following the arrest on Saturday, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, Christine, tweeted this. It is quite likely that some of our faves are implicated, but we must follow the facts and let the chips fall where they may. Nancy Pelosi's daughter is saying a lot of guys we know, we love, our people are going to go down in this. Well, she's talking about Clinton. Clinton is was well. That's right, and Chelsea, and along with Alan Dershowitz, who should uh, go down there. Yeah. Well, the bizarre thing is Ken Starr, who went after Clinton for having sex consensual with a young, of age woman. Um, was the uh, one of the attorneys that got Epstein off on the Florida charges. <laughs> and then yeah, there, well. it, 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 I mean, it's just beyond belief. And then it says, after Epstein served his time, yes, oh, really tough time he served, he had to register as a sex offender. Inexplicably, the Manhattan DA's office under Cyrus Vance Jr. asked a judge to downgrade Epstein's sex offender status from level three, which is the most serious, to level one, the least. The judge was stunned and refused and told Cyrus Vance... I am a little overwhelmed because I have never seen a prosecutor's office do anything like this. So we're talking about the protection of these people. And party has nothing to do with Cyrus Vance Jr. is a Democrat. Bill Clinton's a Democrat. Donald Trump, another pal. It's rich is the party they belong to. Rich. So if um, if Joe Biden uh, somehow gets this nomination, what are we going to do with his only surviving uh, son? Do you know about oh, him? Oh, dear. Yeah, who has uh, substance abuse uh, problems, which give him all sorts of other problems. Oh, my God. He is. I mean, you know, not the weirdest about was, you know, having an affair with the other ones. No, but no, he, they, but that was her doing too. Um, Yeah. He, um, then he left her. Listen to what I've got here on him. Now he allegedly has a 10-month-old love child in Arkansas that he will not recognize as his own. A woman named London Roberts, 28 years old, wants a court to establish that the boy's father is um, 
Hunter Biden and to compel him to pay child support. Uh, the suit was filed two weeks after Hunter, who is 49, married South African therapist Melissa Cohen. Cohen and Hunter had known each other all of 10 days. The child was born last August while Hunter was dating the wife, the widow of his late brother, Bo. Wait a minute, what happened to the wife? Haley Biden? They were an item no, from... No. Whoa, whoa. No, 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 the, 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 uh, the South African that he married after 10 days. They're still married. That would oh, have been okay. just recently. I'm, I'm, getting the, I'm getting the timeline mixed up. Yeah, well, okay. yeah, okay, so he, he was with his sister-in-law from... When he two, fathered the child. From 2015 to 2017... And then he fathered a child, and then he married this woman he knew for all of ten days, and then Got the it. other okay. one. And then he has dealings in where? Hungary and other places that are sordid. I mean, this, do we want this? I don't want, I, I don't have to get to the kid, not to want Biden. Yeah, well, and right. I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's washed out of the presidential field more times than I can count over a period of years so long that I suggest that he might really be too old for four more years after two years. And um, I, he was disqualified from each one of them for various reasons. Why now do we suddenly not have anyone better? I refuse to believe that. I do, too. I think he's a lovely, affable um, mistake-ridden uh, buffoon that it was a perfect, beautiful, photogenic foil to Obama. Well, I don't think he's a buffoon, Susan. Well, he, he, he says uh, lots of strange things. Yeah, Lynn. yeah, but he also, you know, whatever, I don't know, but... No, no he's a I, nice, I think he's a nice, nice well-meaning, good I guy. I don't want to take that away from him. I think there are better presidential options. <laughs> I do too. So, what do you think about the principal down there in um, Palm Beach? Oh, there isn't a Holocaust. That's up for debate. Here's what, what he here's what he wrote to a parent. <laughs> These are the exact words. I can't say the Holocaust is a factual historical event because I'm not in a position to do so. I do allow information about the Holocaust to be presented. And I allow, stu I allow students and parents to make decisions about it accordingly. I do the same with information about slavery. So slavery is also something that he can't be sure happened? Well, if he can't personally verify it because he wasn't there, then he can't be sure it happened. He's been reassigned. I don't know why he hasn't been fired. He does not belong in education. By the way, I just want to throw this little factoid out there. Um, you know, illegal immigrants usually have fake Social Security cards so they can work, correct? Mm -hmm. Their employers pay the taxes on those numbers, and the government puts the money into a fund, which usually remains unclaimed. And they estimate that earnings by unauthorized immigrants result in a net positive effect on Social Security financial status generally, and that this effect contributed roughly $12 billion to the cash flow of the program for 2010. In just one year? I'm just putting that out there. That's an important piece of information. Reality. For, for people to put in their pipes whilst smoking them. Yeah. Okay, well, that was a little factoid. Now, I've got a little quote that I, I found um, especially compelling given our um, current penchant for 
not wanting to hear anything we don't agree with. Wait a minute, I have to put my finger in my ears. Why? Because you might say something. <laughs> well, I got it. I got it. I'm sorry. Okay, here. No, I think you'll. I think you'll agree with this. Okay. Um, it's a guy. I don't know who he is. Named Dudley Malone, and he said, "I have never in my life learned anything from anybody who agreed with me." Well, that's true. It's it's true in how I know he's saying. I mean, we can agree on things and still learn from each other. But he, what he's saying still is, learn from each you other. can't yes. you can't learn anything new by just listening to people who parrot what you already think you know or know or believe or whatever. You only learn by you know getting by, out of your comfort zone by putting in new information. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, and, and and things only grow and get better through collaboration. And collaboration is another word for listening to people who have different thoughts than you. No collaboration, no collusion. Sorry. That was a little <laughs> mental spasm. It's like it, it's like you have threats. <laughs> What? And instead of saying, fuck, you say, no collusion. <laughs> God almighty. Um, I got another uh, a quote, which is also correct. And this has been said many times by many different people, but this particular one is credited to George Bernard Shaw. The worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That is the essence of inhumanity. That's it? Yeah. That's it. So, all righty. I don't know, Suze, we got a minute left, and I'm not going to start on something else. But uh, are you heading up to Green Bay now? I uh, Well, I have to, um, I have, uh, I have a few things to do. Yeah. And but... I'm actually going to exercise, and, um, and then I am going to get in the car and go up to Green Bay, and then I'll be back on Friday. It's, it's, I, um, I'm getting tired. <laughs> back and forth and back and forth. Well, it sounded easy, you know. It sounded like an easy idea. Well, uh, we'll 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 see. I want to just say this: that life right. life in general is tiring. Have you know, I, I mean, it is. I mean, most people I know are That's, tired. <laughs> they are. Well, and so here's we, and here's the here's the thing that yeah, <laughs> most people are tired. And here's the thing that I. The part that I don't like, and it's the only way that I feel at all my age, is that I just don't have the stamina I used to have. And that I don't like, and it's in spite of doing everything I can to keep up energy levels and stay a, you know, healthy, active human being. And I just, you know, it's just not there, and I can see it. Right, right, I know. All right, well, suck it up! That's That's the way to end the show. As the sands run through <laughs> the hourglass, the hourglass, so, so do goes the, our lives. No, what that? What is what the was quote? That, if the world so turns do the no, <laughs> the sands of the oh, I don't know. So are the days of our no? It's the days of our lives because days that was of a, our lives. The, the days of our lives. All right, Susan, do not waste time. It is the thing most precious. Tick-tock. Okay. All right. Safe travels. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. And folks, oh, and folks will be um, uh, back tomorrow. And uh, uh, Ryan Dito is going to join us uh, on Wednesdays for about 15, 20 minutes because he's just a fount of uh, 
interesting stuff and information. So uh, he'll be stopping by tomorrow. And boy, do I have something I want to talk to him about. Actually, two things. And they're different than things we normally talk about. Um, okay? So, oh, my parking is about to expire. Okay, bye! from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.